Chavra, let us continue our amazing dream series here straight out of the Gemara. For those who have the Gemara with them, for those of us who are using the uh, Art Scroll booklet, we are going to page 55b4. If you're using any other Gemara, it's Daf Nun Hei Amit Beis. We will actually start today with a bit of a digression about dreams into other very, very uh, esoteric topics. As we began last week learning that there were three Amoiroim, Ameimar, Marzutrei, and Rav Ashi. And while they were once sitting together, so they all decided that each one of them will share a secret that no one else knows. And as we mentioned last week, if they would have been discussing any part of the Nigla of Torah, if they would have been discussing a part of the revealed Torah, then it would be very challenging for one to share with the other something that the other doesn't know, because these were the greatest of our rabbinate, and um, the, the revealed part of the Torah that was accessible for all is a part of Torah that everyone knew. That's not to say that there's always something new to learn, but one would not have the certainty that what he is about to say is something that no one else knows. However, when people gather and they start discussing what we will call the esoteric part of the Torah, which is how we link this to the topic of dreams, indeed there are certain parts of the Torah that the student, while receiving some information, Torah, Torah information, could know that this information is exclusive, that person can be told not to share it with others. And in such parts of the Torah, one can presume that what you know, if you received it from a particular person with a particular uh, precondition of keeping it secret, that no one else knows it. And still, there are exceptional times when three great such students, now they were our leaders, gathered, they decided to share with the, one with the other. So last week, we learned about the secret of Birchas Kahanim. And how Birchas Kahanam is even greater than putting together a Beisden. And how one can channel and make use of the moment of Birchas Kahanim also to uh, transform a dream. And uh, just to put one final topping on that topic before we move on. That obviously means that any one of us who has a certain need of a specific prayer, not dream related should make use of the moment of Birchas Kahanim with the details that we learned last week, particularly that when you make an ask, you should finish verbalizing your ask together with the Kohanic, um, together with the Kohan's final Shalom word, which means that everyone is going to say Amen, and if you finished your request together with their Bracha, then the Amen that everyone responds for their Bracha Will also be will also work for your request as well. That was last week. So one of them shared that, and now two others, each one of these, have to share something that no one else up until now knows. Now it's interesting that we are not telling you which one of the three said what. Ameimar, Mazutra, Ravashi, but it's one of the three. So we are up to 55 before in the left column towards the top of the column. Pasach, Idach, Va'amar, another of these three Amoiroim, opened up by saying the following. When a person, 
a person who is traveling to a city. And the person is afraid of encountering the ayin hara, the evil eye. Evil eye, let's translate an evil eye as jealous attention. Now an ayin hara is not particularly related to someone who is traveling. Theoretically, but practically it is. Practically it is meaning that once people know you and they live with you in the same community, whatever it is that they might be jealous about is something that they either got used to or generally most things just appear to be better than they are initially and they could provoke an unwarranted jealousy. But while you know that person and his or her circumstances for a lo- for more time, normally you discover that, yeah, that like everyone else, everyone has tremendous brachas in their lives and everyone has tremendous challenges. And uh, once a person understands that, you know, it's a whole peckle. You know, it's how foolish is it to think that I would love to have, you know, Aleph from Chaim and Beis from Yankel and that detail from Rachel and that one from Leah doesn't work that way. Yeah, you, you think you're jealous of, you know, Rachel, of Leah, of Bil and Zilpah. Why? Look at the entirety of their lives and you'll see that together with the things that they have, which you don't yet or maybe ever, they also have challenges that we hope never to have as well. So the, the chances of there being an Ein Hara normally comes when you interact with someone that doesn't know you well yet, which is the traveler. So you are being looked at at the first time. And externally, generally, things look amazing. Or if they do look amazing, before people know the inner world, they only see the outer world. So when the outer world is wow, it could provoke jealous attention. So this is a very esoteric topic. How much of credence, how much of worry should we have for an Ayn Hara? It's very interesting that it is juxtaposed to the topic of dreams. Because there is a certain commonality there is a certain uh, comparison. As we learned regarding dreams, that if a person doesn't interpret a dream, and we'll learn a lot more details today, then it certainly has a lesser of a power of affecting this physical world. Perhaps, as we'll learn something new today, soon, that if a person has a dream, if it's not interpreted, it won't have any meaning, even in a spiritual world parenthetically, what I just said right now was something new because that's not like what we learned last week and two weeks ago and we will address that. But coming back, there's a certain amount of our credence, our chashivus, um, our giving of importance to the dream, that in itself empowers the dream. There is such a common thread, commonality with an ayin hara that the more people are worried about it, the more power it has. Having said all that, even objectively, not subjectively, there is something about the evil eye, and he's going to give us a uh, a mystical, actual, you can almost call this practical Kabbalah, because he's going to tell you something physical that you should do that will protect you from the Ayin Hara. So, and this is what he's saying. Linkoit zekafa diyama diyamine. The person should take the thumb of his or her right hand. And they should place it, where should they place it? In their left hand. We're not done yet, that's half. The other half is, is that at the same time, then place the thumb of your left hand in your right hand. So for those of us who can watch, right, we're beginning with the right thumb 
and we're placing it on the left hand. Now, the details of how do you position your hands is not explicitly written, but what is important is, is that both of your thumbs should be completely concealed. And while you have that, while that is in position, then you have to say what we ex- began last week speaking about incantations, alachash, the lemahachi, and this is what you should say. Anaploini barploini. I, so-and-so, the son or the daughter of father. Parenthetically, there is a lot about when do we evoke the mother, when do we evoke the father. Generally, halachically, when a person is ill and a mishabedach is made, we evoke the person, son of or daughter of mother. After a passing, and only after a passing, is when we say the person's name, son or daughter of father. This will be an exception. Here, you're going to refer to yourself, even though you're alive, by you calling out your father's name, and I'll give a suggestion in a moment why, just one moment. So the person should say, I'm not plenty by plenty. Say your name, right? Ben, if you're a man, Bas, if you're a woman, and mention your father's name. And declare that Mizara de Yosef Ka'asina, I am the descendant of Yosef. We're speaking about Yosef Atzadik. And what was unique about Yosef Atzadik, the Lishalta Bay right? Upon whom an evil eye had no power. As it says, and now we are quoting words that Yaakov Avinu blessed his son with before Yaakov Avinu's passing, whatever that passing means. Yaakov really never passed away. But the brachas that he gave prior, as recorded, was Bain Poiras Yosef, a charming son. Are you Yosef? Bain Poiras Aliyoin, a charming son to the eye, literally charming to the eye. However, the sages say that being that there are no vowels, there are no nakudais written in the Torah, even though there is an oral tradition how to read the word. And really, when we read the Torah as Shabbos, when we learn Chitas, we say Aleyayin, which means to the eye. But you can pronounce it otherwise. You can vowelize it otherwise. So th- this Chazal says that Al Tikra, Aleyayin, all of this is part of the Lachash. Don't say Aleyayin. Don't pronounce it Aleyayin. But pronounce it putting a Cholam, a dot over the Ayin. A dot over the eye will make these letters be pronounced Oileyayin. Oileyayin means that Yosef rises above the eye. What eye? Ab- above the evil eye. The evil eye has no power over Yosef. Yosef is over the evil eye. Now, Yosef was indeed very charming. Yosef was very, very handsome. Correct, if one would have known the challenges that Yosef underwent, not everyone would say, I would want to be Yosef, if I got to take it all. But like we mentioned, it doesn't work that way. People who uh, could affect you with an Ayin Hara are those types of peoples that they, in their fantasy, they see something amazing and they say, wow, I'm jealous about that. And they don't realize that, well, you have that, but you might have other things that counterbalance that. This is God's wisdom of giving each person, you know, their own positives and their own challenges. But coming back over here, Yosef was not affected by an evil eye. That was the blessing that Yaakov gave to Yosef. Why is that? Because he is above it, like we just mentioned. Being above something means that you don't give it importance. You don't consider it a real foe. You don't consider it a real challenge. There are many areas in life 
that if you don't acknowledge the problem, you're simply burying your head in the sand. There are some things in life in which we tell a person, don't belittle it. Don't make it into nothing. Don't shove it under the rug. Not only will it not help you, it will hurt you. There is an emiss to that sometimes. There are other things in life, and oy, do we need wisdom to know which one is which, in which dafka dealing with it or over-dealing with it, giving it chashivus is part of the problem. And putting it under us, or better, worded better, uh, elevating ourselves over it, that in itself is the solution. Yosef HaTzadik was above an evil eye. He didn't go around wearing things to protect him from an evil eye. He, he, it was not chashif to him. But here's something interesting. That was a blessing giving to Yosef. And per extension of Yosef, that goes to the prodigy, to the descendants of Yosef. Now, are we descendants of Yosef? Maybe, yeah, maybe not. Nevertheless, when a person spiritually acknowledges and declares that I am from the descendants of Yosef, together with this very interesting uh, Kabbalah Maisi, putting, hiding your thumbs the way we described it, that will protect you from an evil eye. I'm a bit surprised that people who... Uh, want to keep themselves protected from an evil eye, many times they wear that, what the Arabs call the chamsa, right? That little uh, hand. Now the origin of the chamsa is certainly not Jewish. However, the origin of the chamsa does not come from pagan idol worshippers. So there is certainly no halachic problem with having that chamsa. It might not be something that is very Jewish, but there is nothing negative connected to it. A, a red band that is that is a fad that originated or became popularized relatively recently is something that we are prohibited to wear. And according to our Rebbe, which means according to the truth, wearing a red band is prohibited by Torah law. I know it sounds a little bit radical, but I'm just quoting the words of the Rebbe. It was a certain sect of pagan idol worshippers that used to use a red band to keep themselves protected from an evil eye. And since they were the ones that originated that minog, so it's called Darke Emoiri. It's the ways of the Emirates. The Emirates are one of the nations that lived in the Holy Land before we conquered it from them. And they were particularly involved in pagan idol worship. And anything that's Midarke Ho Emoiri is Asun Midoiraisa. They never wrote that. It's printed. That ever told it to many people in private audiences, and it's very kedai for people to be aware of it. No one obviously cares about pagan idol worship, and I'm not advocating for you to wear a chamsa because it's also not for, of Jewish origin, but it's not connected to pagan idol worship. I'm just surprised that people who like commercializing and playing on other people's fears to make a buck, which is really why this whole business of the red band came about. It wasn't for, no one cared about you that much to give you the red band. They wanted to sell it to you, as well as the chamsa. I'm just surprised that no one ever made the secret that we just learned about that, is, that, that you have in the Gemara. I'm not advocating for anyone to do it, but uh, here at least we have a source in, in, in Torah of what one should do or what symbol will, will protect you from now, there's a nuance in the lachash. There's a nuance in this incantation. Rabbi Yosi, but Rabbi Hanina says that when you say this, 
Mahacha, you should say that I am a descendant of Yosef, that upon Yosef, right, over whom there was no evil eye, or evil eye had no power over him, and then you should quote not the words that Yaakov told Yosef, but you should tell the words that Yaakov blessed Yosef's children with. And Yaakov, when he blessed his grandchildren, particularly the two sons born to Yosef, before he came down to Egypt, right? Menashe and Ephraim, or Ephraim and Menashe. So we told them, that may they, meaning those children, his grandchildren, may they proliferate abundantly, may they multiply abundantly, like the fish, but within the land. And why did he compare them to the fish in association with may they multiply? Because indeed, fish, not only do they have many, many children, but fish are not seen by the human eye. And it is only a human being that sometimes has the ability, especially if the recipient makes themselves vulnerable to it, they open themselves to it, it is the recipient, it's only the human eye that looks. When Aleph, when someone, when a person looks at someone else, but fish looking at fish will never make an eye in harder. Human beings cannot see the fish because they are hidden by the waters. They are under the waters. They're not over it, but they're under it. That ma'adogam shubayam, ma'imachasam aleyam, just like the fish in the sea, upon whom waters cover, and since people cannot see the fish, the ein ayin ro'o shiletus bohem, so the evil eye has no power over them. Avzar shel Yosef, likewise, all of the descendants of Yosef, not only Yosef, the bracha that Yaakov gave Yosef maybe was only for Yosef. But this is a blessing that he gave already to Yosef's descendants. I know you can also argue maybe it was only for them. No, we don't say that. This goes down for all of his descendants. Ein ayin harosh, let us the evil eye has no power over them. Now just to know that there are, these two statements are very different, like we just mentioned. One of them protects you from an ayin harosh by you not acknowledging it. By you not acknowledging it, you are above it. It has no power over it. It's a nothing. It's a nothing burger. The other is by associating ourselves with the fish in the sea. Now, the fish in the sea, we're not saying that the Ayin Hara doesn't have any power. We're not even saying that we are over it. We are saying that we are so submerged in holiness. We are so submerged in Kedusha. We are so into godliness that they don't even see us. And you not even seeing me, perhaps, is just going back to the explanation of the symbol. And again, I know that people who can watch this recording, or you can do it yourself, every time I, I make this with my bodily, of putting my right thumb in my left palm, and my left thumb in my right palm, by me, my left hand, for whatever reason, goes over the right hand. I mean, obviously, it depends how you hold it. Whichever way you hold it, it's not side by side, but it's one over the other. So either you have to be over it or you have to be under it. Two mindsets. And maybe maybe both. Maybe taka, that's part of the meaning of this of this um, of this bodily uh, expression. We have to both be over the ayin hara, and at the same time we have to be completely submerged in godliness, thus protected from, thus protected from anything evil, including from the evil eye. Kind of amazing. So this is the second statement. Um, now, I want to speak about the thumb. 
Um, why don't you, uh, let me just share oh, something for. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, when are you supposed to do this? Anytime someone has a bad dream. No, 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 not connected to a bad dream. When you are afraid that someone might give you an Ein Um, But what, I mean, it could be when you don't know. So should someone just do it every day, like when they wake up? I would almost argue that you should hardly ever do it because the more you worry about an Ein the more vulnerable you become. That's why he gave an example that a specific circumstance... Um, I would disagree with you. I would say again, the Gemara, you have to, the beginning, uh, it's good to read every word over here, that when you travel and someone takes a look at you, it's like when the rich uncle comes to Israel 40 years ago and, and there's a certain amount of, uh, wow, look at the wealth, look at that leather bag, or, you know, you can feel that someone is looking at you with jealousy. Can I make a quick comment? Sure. Uh, I actually, I read this years ago. I don't even remember where. So I, I like, I say it. I say it like all the time. Not all the time, but it comes to me a lot. And often it happens when I'm walking down the street and I see a stranger or someone weird and they look at you or they make eye contact with you and you feel like you don't know who they are, where it's coming from. Then I say the up like they shouldn't even connect with you in any way. Another Pasuk. Or this pasuk. The same pasuk, the Yosef, the Yosef pasuk. I'm sorry, the Yosef. Okay, but I'm just saying, I, there's so much to speak Wait, about. Rabbi, let's say their example of a relative that saw you while you're traveling. Do you do this on the spot, or do you do it privately when you're away from them? Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to understand the process. Probably you do it on the spot. That doesn't mean that you can't do it later, but the simple reading is, is that you walk by, you're traveling, and you and you sense that someone is looking at you with jealous eyes. So you 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 put your hands in that position and you make I, I want to go back to Shoshana and you say everything that we read, not just the verse, say the whole spiel. Ano ploini bar ploini, mezara de Yosef Kasino, Deloy Shaltobe Ainobisha, Shenemar, and then quote this verse and then quote that verse. Okay, and can you just show me one more time the hand gesture? I didn't catch it. So we begin by taking the thumb of the right hand and putting it in the palm of the left hand. And at the same time, you're going to take the thumb of the left hand and put it in the right hand. Okay, and do you move your hands up and down like you just did? No, you don't. You don't. I just want the people on the video to see that the, it, it's, it's, it, you can only oh. see really one side. But it's to have right. both thumbs concealed. Now I'm going to okay, share so with you... I'm sure on some mystical level it all matters. Um, I can even argue that there is a general rule that the right should always be above the left. Could be you apply this over here. Could be you apply okay. this over here. Um, okay, thank you. Okay, I mean, we're learning. Can I, this, can I, say, can I say one more thing that I heard that's very interesting with the, with the thumb thing? Sure. Um, in a separate place, so I don't know the source, it says that it causes a like a dalit almost around you. It's like a it's there's a halakha about it. You would know better than I do, but there's something about that. But if you are maybe that's to do with Shabbos something. I don't want to misquote. I could find out, but it it makes like a like a getter kind of. Okay. Have you heard anything? Um, 
let me let me share one detail over here. Again, I'm sharing with you people's words, and it is what it is. It's connected by Hashgacha Pratis to the parish of the week that uh, there were signs that Yaakov gave over to Rachel, Simanim, and those Simanim were the signs that Rachel shared with Leah. And there is a medrash that says that the signs that she gave was the Boyan Yad and Boyan Regal. Boyan Yad, Boyan Regal is actually a, a very interesting part of the Avoida in the Holy Temple that was done by someone that was declared a Mitzoyra, a leper, male or female. And after the, the, the biblical leper, and after they become pure, at the end of the purification process, amongst other things, they have to bring three karbonis. One of them is known as a karbonashim that was slaughtered. And at some point, the blood of that sacrifice would be smeared on the inner part of the right ear of this person who's about to finalize, to conclude their purification process. It was then smeared on the right thumb and then smeared on the right big toe. The right thumb is called Boyhen Yad, Boyhen Regal. So it says in the Medrash that the Semanim is the secret of Boyhen Yad, Boyhen Regal. I think it means, I think it means that there was some type of, I think there was going to be contact between Rachel, it just happened to be later Leah, to Yaakov's inner right ear and to his thumb and to his big toe. So there's something about the thumb, including the right toe, I know on the ear, but I want to focus on the thumb. There's one other part in Yiddishkeit, in practice, that we do something with the right thumb. Who knows? We should all know this. What Jewish practice involves your thumbs? Is it Yerko No. Shema? No. So Matsoi Shabbos, when we make the blessing during Havdalah over the fires, over a torch, right? We have to have at least two uh, wicks. And we look at our fingernails, we dafke, we specifically do not look at the nails of our thumbs. We are supposed to keep our thumbs concealed with all of the other detailed menhagim. Again, for people that I can see the camera over here, so when you go towards the torch, this is how you hold your hands. And not, you, you keep your thumbs concealed. And then people also, they look at the nails from this direction or from that direction. They never look at their inner hand. You're not allowed to look at your inner hand, nor do you look at your thumbs. Now here, at least I know more words that the inner part of the hand and the, and the thumbs are enlightened by a spiritual light it is only the outer part of the hands and thus the nails that are connected to a lower part of creation. And being that looking at the fire of the Havdalah gives us some sort of spiritual empowerment to get rid of, to be protected from outside negative spiritual forces. Those spiritual forces to begin with don't have any power over the inner person. So, which also would mean it's not going to affect your thumb, so to say. It can only affect something more external. So now you're using the fire to enlighten, to take away the darkness from that which is external. Let me just perhaps 
explain it like this, that all of these things, including Ayin Hara, they never have the power to touch the inner person. Bechal, we know that from many other parts of Torah. Like we all have, you know, the outer person, the inner person with all of the, all of the different layers. And ultimately we have what we call, let's say, the Pintaliyid. All right, I don't want to speak about Ayin Hara. I want to digress from topic to topic, then we'll come back. When I sin, when I do something against the will of God, I hurt myself. I'm damaging myself. And that has to be rectified. Having said that, how much does Hasidah celebrate the fact that their innermost part of me never gets hurt? The Pintaliyid, the core of a Jew, can never get damaged. So for sure, it can never be hurt by Ayin Hara. It can never be hurt by all of these uh, spiritual negative forces. These only have, if they have, if they have any power, they can only hurt something more external. I think the way I understand is covering your thumbs. This is just my suggestion. Since from Havdalah, I know it's written that the thumb, like the inner part of the hand, represents the inner part of the person. The inner part of the person is not even subject to all of these negative influences. I think part of being protected from the Ayin Hara begins, like we just mentioned, by you first knowing that an Ayin Hara, if it can hurt, it can never even hurt your inner. It can only hurt something external. That already, that already minimizes the Koyach, of the, which is the Emes. Right? The opposite is what we have to be afraid of. If there's some force in the world that's not going to hurt you bodily, it might even enhance you bodily. But God forbid it has a, a potential of hurting your, your godliness, your Yiddish Ka'ud. That's something that we should be very afraid of. I don't mean afraid and hide in the corner. But that's something that we have to contend with. That's something that we should not bury our head in the sand. And on the opposite, we would rather not be hurt by anything. We don't want to get hurt in, in, inwardly and we don't want to get hurt outwardly also. But if there's something that the only worst case scenario is that it can hurt you, ah, all right. So to begin with, you're not being it so much. So maybe that's, it's not shayich to your thumb. And also, like I mentioned, that the palm is a part of the hand that represents the inner person, the pnimi, very much like the face. So putting your thumb inside your hand also represents that we have to become more in touch with our inner person. We have to be submerged in, in our inner person. If the Ayin Hara has no power over my Neshama, so let me become a more Neshama person. If I'm more a Neshama person, that's who I am. If that's who I am, so Ayin Hara has zero Kayach over me. If I also give chashivus to my outer person beyond the right balance, then I'm more subject to ayin hara. But when I, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I make my effort of being more into ruchnius, more into godliness, that in itself protects me from the ayin hara. Maybe that's the meaning of this type of bodily position, which is very interesting. Again, this will be a, um, this will be a good bestseller to make a chain with this, oh, and quote Gamada Shabbos 55b, and there you go. And then a Jew will make a lot of parnasa. All right, now we're not done yet. There's one more detail to all of this, because, and this is such a beautiful conclusion to the Ayin Hara. And the beautiful conclusion is, is that when you tell a person, oh, are you afraid of an Ayin Hara? Almost all people will understand your question whether you are afraid of you getting damaged by someone else's ayin hara. 
But that should not be the only worry. If we're going to give some credence to Ayin Hara, so then let me, now that I, I already read it, but once you read it, you realize how selfish I am. The fear of an Ayin Hara should be even more, maybe I will give someone else an Ayin Hara. And I should be afraid of that. Because if there's such a thing of an Ayin Hara, which could have an effect in certain times for certain people in certain locations, so how about being afraid that you will give someone else an Ayin Hara? And what is it that we can do to prevent ourselves of giving someone else an ayin hara? Ah, so that was the neck, that was the latter part of his secret. So the first one was how to protect self. And now delay. Now, if the person is a fear, is afraid that they will give someone else an ayin hara. So how do you stop yourself of giving the other an ayin hara? So again, just like before, he didn't speak about a meditation. He spoke about, even before the incantation, he spoke about doing something physical, right? We can call it again, Kabbalah Ma'asit. So here he's saying, You should look at the surface of your left nostril. Now what does that mean? Well, it means literally, look at the surface, look down and look at your left nostril. It's almost like telling a person, why are you looking at someone else? Look at yourself. But there's a lot more to that. And I'll give it to all you wise women to come up with a certain concept of how looking at your left nostril is going to somehow enable you. It's going to help you not giving an Ein Hara to someone else. Anyone has a certain idea? How does that work? Okay, I just tried it. <laughs> the only way you can look at your left nostril is with your left eye. Correct. So it's more with a Gvura eye than a Chesed eye. So you look at someone more critically and so you see their faults. You have to close your right eye in order to concentrate on your left nostril. Or let me, can I, okay, okay let, me, let me just repeat, Shoshana. It's what you're, it's you're saying, but let me just repeat it. It seems over here, even though I kept on saying jealousy, it seems over here that together with the jealousy, you have to be critical. If you're not critical of the other, then you'll never give them an Ayin Hara. And, and and oh, let me just finish. And, and the left eye is the is the gavura dika eye. So the, it's like the Torah is telling you, the Amoid is telling you, you want to be critical, knock yourself out, be critical towards you. Use your critiques towards yourself, towards the other. Use your right eye. That's what you're saying. That's very nice. No, I'm saying the opposite. Actually, that you should look at the other person critically, so that you don't give them an eye and that you don't think that they're perfect and that you look that maybe they do have flaws. No, 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 but the only way you know, it says you should look at your own nostril. You have to look at your left nostril. You have to look down to the surface of your left nostril. So, you're, so you have Gavura on yourself? I, that's, I thought you were saying that because, like you said, very good, you can only see your left nostril when you're going to ignore the right eye, when you're going to be using your left eye. The left eye is the eye that gives the eye in Hara. That's for sure. And it's oh, you're giving someone else an ayin hara. Don't look at someone else. Look at yourself. Do you want to critique someone else? Critique yourself. Knock yourself out. Be very critical. I think that the right eye would give the ayin hara because the right eye is that sees things perfectly. Everything's chesed. Everything's okay. Cl okay. Clearly, it's not so. Clearly, when you look at the other with a right eye, you'll never give them an ayin hara. You'll rejoice with their good fortune. You will see good in them. You will see how they earned, how they deserve their good. I understand. I understand. Now, one second. Why the nostril? Maybe it's the closest part. Can I? Can I? Can I make a guess? Sure. 
Is it because the spirit of inspiration comes from the left nostril? Oh, so like this. Like, isn't David something about Mashiach in the left nostril, the spirit of inspiration? Okay, very something. good. Very good, very good. Because so like this. Again, these are words in Kabbalah that you know there are certain parts of the of the of the person that we only have one of, and there are certain parts of the person that we have two of. Generally, in the order of the Svitas, the right, the right is superior to the left. The right is more dominant than the left, and that's a good thing. We have to have chesed, we have to have gavura, we have to have both. But when you tell a person to balance both, balancing doesn't mean 50-50%. Balancing will always mean something else to every uh, to every person at a, and every day. And that person, they can change what the balance means. We always have to be hopping our balance. But generally, the right is dominant over the left. However, there's a big however. On the highest level in Gishtalshlus, and the highest worlds, the left is stronger than the right. Gavura in the source is a lot stronger than, 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 than the right side. It's a lot more dominant. That's actually why one of the meanings of the word Gavura is Gibor, mighty, strong, stronger. When a person gives Gavura, don't think it means they'll give less. Actually, giving with Gavura really means you'll be giving a lot more. But coming back over here, Again, if I can just stretch what you're saying, Shirley, is that, first of all, the nostril, if you want to look at yourself, I don't think there's any other body part that's closer to you from the perspective of your eyes that you can see than your nostril. You can't see your forehead. You can, you know, it's look at yourself. But there's also being critical of self. It's not like, you know, instead of you hurting someone else, hurt yourself. No, 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 no. No, actually criticizing oneself healthily. It's very good. It's a lofty thing. The left, it says in Kabbalah that the left nostril goes up deeper, whatever, the, it touches a higher level than the right nostril. So says in Kabbalah. Because in the, in, from the senses that we have, the highest sense is the sense of smell. Words, it represents the loftiest. On the loftiest level, left is higher, is greater than right. So it's not only use your criticism for yourself, but when people learn how to healthily Here's the key word. Criticize themselves. They really, they really get elevated. They really get close to their source. The koyach of gavura, the koyach of restraint. The power of restraint is the greatest power that we have. Celebrating saying no. Saying no is a lot healthier than saying yes. Obviously, there's a time when we have to say yes. But the koyach of no, the koyach of gavura. Something like that prevents me of giving someone an Einhard. If I'm going to be looking or celebrating my the Ruach of my left side, I'm sure it means a lot more than what we just said, that is the antidote of me ever being able to give uh, my, follow, my, my fellow an Einhard. Okay, I think we're going to stop over here. And we are up to the third secret, the third Amoida statement that we will continue with, God willing, next week. That was great. Thank you, Rabbi. Very Thank welcome. Thank you very much. Rabbi, sorry, can I ask you a question? Sure.